Hey guys, welcome back to Kindest Regards. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's just me this week. As you guys know, last week we had our first episode of In the Boardroom, which I got amazing feedback from you guys from. I'm really glad that you love that aspect of the podcast and I hope to keep them coming. But for this week, it's back to regularly scheduled programming with just me on mic. I am, as always, bringing you a mix of the good stuff this week. I am going to address something <laughs> that I recently, this week, I think a few days ago, I did a Q&A on my Instagram stories and I got a lot of questions about this and I think it's probably because they pop up a lot in the back of my OOTDs. I have two very large photos of the Kennedys in my household and that is not just something we picked up one day and thought was cute and has no meaning to us. The Kennedys have a very special place in my heart. And I got a lot of questions about why the heck I've got photos of the Kennedys in my home. And I think I have addressed this very briefly, but I wanted to really deep dive into my love affair and deep affinity with the Kennedy family, why I love them, where it started, how far it spans the whole thing, just to give a little bit more context into that whole part of my, honestly, I know this sounds hectic, but I feel like loving the Kennedys is a personality trait of mine at this point. So I'm going to dive into it a little bit more. Then I'm going to chat about social media boundaries. I have this week started to implement some pretty hard boundaries in my life around social media. So I'm going to have a chat about why and how I've done that and how I'm feeling about it since I started. And then to wrap up, I'm going to really deep dive into my home decor aesthetic. We're going to dissect it. We're going to label it. We're going to rip it to pieces. I get a lot of questions about home decor and I figured I would deep dive into my apartment. Well, our apartment a little bit. Okay, jumping right into it. As I said, I'm going to chat about my love affair for the Kennedy family. I can completely appreciate that this is a super rogue thing. <laughs> like I'm understanding of it. And I think that I have had a lot of questions about it on TikTok because obviously my living room features in my TikTok and I post OOTDs every other day on my Instagram and they can be seen in the background of my full length mirror. So I am aware that it is an obvious thing. So I think it's worthy of a deeper explanation. So just to address that part of it, I guess, in our living room, and I know that I've said this in a Q&A before, but I'm going to touch on it quickly and then keep it moving. But I also get asked a lot where to buy these pictures. And unfortunately, like I'm sure that you can get copies of them, like just on the internet and get them blown up and printed. But the two images that we have in our living room are original photographs from the archive of Mark Shaw. Mark Shaw was the photographer of these images. We have an image of John and Jackie when he was president. And we also have an image of Jackie and John with their children, John and Caroline in their Hyannis Port compound. So I can completely appreciate that that's a pretty random thing for someone to have in their home. But Thomas bought them for me for my birthday two years ago, and they, honest to God, are two of my absolute most prized possessions to have original photos from the Mark Shaw archive in our home is actually incredibly, incredibly special. Um, they mean a ton to me. I feel like I, I grew up in a family that was politically inclined, but 
I took a lot of trips to the US and I spent a lot of time in DC and Boston and New York. I have taken trips to Hyannis Port, which is where the Kennedy compound is. I have a deep and like very, very deep rooted affinity with DC and American politics. I think I just grew up with it. I grew up talking about it and my family was very, very invested in it. With that came a lot of, I did a lot of my own research. I watched a lot of documentaries, like this is going way back into my teenage years. And my obsession with the Kennedys came somewhere around that time. My parents adored the Kennedys. I had photos of the Kennedys, like, like, um, that we bought from the White House Visitors Center in our home. I grew up looking at them. My mom had books on Jackie Kennedy. It was very much uh, two people that my parents looked up to and I and thought were incredible, you know, figures in history. And I think that obviously I'm, you know, you're a product of your environment. And if something gets talked about and, you know, put in your face enough, it does find value in you as well. So I think that's where it started. But I obviously did my own digging and I just fell in love with Jackie. I fell in love with her affinity for the arts. I fell in love with, you know, her fashion, her demeanor, just everything about her just like, you know, oozed class and grace. And I just thought she was an incredibly poised individual. But also I, you know, who doesn't love JFK? I mean, whether you agree with his politics or not, he's an incredible, infamous figure. And obviously how he died and his assassination has caused so much speculation in history and the movie JFK, which is incredibly long-winded, but an unbelievable recollection of the JFK assassination and the subsequent legal trial that occurred afterwards was also a big part of my fascination with the Kennedy and the Kennedy family. There, I think as well, there was something that I discovered during my years of deep diving into the Kennedy family that the Kennedy curse was very much something that people, I think everyone is drawn to tragedy and drawn to trauma on some weird human psychological level. And the Kennedy curse definitely sucked me in. How much tragedy had befalled that family? I mean, obviously, the assassination of JFK was bloody and brutal and horrific, but that family has endured so much tragedy. His son, JFK Jr., died with his wife, Carolyn Bissett, in a tragic, tragic plane crash. Like He, he was... Um, but he had his pilot's license. He was driving, piloting, not driving, piloting a small plane with um, Carolyn on board and I believe one of their friends and they were flying to Cape Cod and unfortunately the plane crashed over the water and everyone on board perished, which is just incredibly tragic. He was so young. He was incredibly successful and I guess a lot of people had pegged him to be you know much like his father and sort of destined for success their daughter Carolyn Kennedy weirdly enough is now the ambassador to the United States for Australia so she resides in Australia which is just another fascinating weird thing that she ended up being our ambassador to the United States in recent years I was watching the Australian Open the other day and I think it wasn't the final but it was like a semi-final and our Prime Minister Anthony Albanese was sitting there with I believe his wife and Carolyn was next to him and I was just like what 
what world are we living in where like I'm watching the Australian Open and like Carolyn Kennedy is just sitting there it's just like the coolest thing ever to me I'm like that's so hectic that she's our ambassador I know that that's not that cool to that many people but to me I'm like the Kennedys man they just they follow they follow me I don't know what it is um but uh Ted Kennedy who is the younger brother of JFK also didn't manage to escape I guess controversy but Ted Kennedy had an awful vehicle accident like a car crash that occurred in the island of Chappaquiddick in Massachusetts and he was uh, a well-known politician as well and that was an incredibly controversial thing that happened I'm not going to spoil it because I highly recommend going and watching watching the movie Chappaquiddick it's quite a recent film um, where they deep dive into it and basically you know dissect that incident and unfortunately a woman did die in that accident and it was subsequently tried to be covered. I'm not even going to spoil it. It was a really incredible film, regardless of whether or not you're interested in the Kennedys, but it is a fascinating film. But I think the tragedy that before that family was incredibly interesting to people, um, bizarre in many ways. And I was definitely sucked into the conspiracy theories of them all and everything around that. But more sort of on a more holistic level, I guess, without getting into too much of the detail, I just found myself so drawn to that family. I don't know what it was I just did. I have a, um, we went to Hyannis Port years ago to the compound and you quite literally, because the compound itself is still in the Kennedy family. It's not, you know, sold or anything like that. And there it's sort of on like the a peninsula of going out to sea i guess but it's right on the edge it's on like a beachfront it's in an incredibly quiet town hyannis is not a bustling town it's very new england it's very quiet it's beautiful it's got that very like you know boston feel about it very cape cod very um like rhode island feel about it but when we went i honestly felt like emotional being there because I just feel like I'd spent so much time being so drawn to this family to be in an like be in a space that was of such importance to them as well if you sort of want to see how incredibly beautiful that place was the film Jackie with Natalie Portman uh, I believe she was nominated or won the Oscar for playing Jackie Kennedy but that film shines a real light on the beauty of that house and that compound and the spot itself. I stole, I don't want to say stole, that's a harsh word. I took a big, like beautiful white seashell, like an incredible looking seashell, like just over the fence line of the compound. <laughs> and like, I'm not kidding guys, like this place has like security, this place has like cameras, snipers, the whole, maybe not snipers, but like there were people like security on the roofs and stuff. And I managed to just like plop my hand over the fence and grab it. It was a knee high fence. Like I'm not saying I like scaled walls or anything, but I like wanted to have a part of the compound with me and I took it home and I still have it. Um, but yeah, my my love and fascination for that family, but more specifically, obviously, for Jackie and for John is, is longstanding, and I don't think it will ever fully leave me. So the fact that Thomas thought that it was a great present to get me those photos, which obviously are not just incredibly valuable 
you know, historically and monetarily, but also incredibly special to me. So unfortunately, you can't just go out and buy them, um, which sucks because they're obviously original. Um, so there are only, you know, that those photos in that size are only printed once. But obviously, there are different similar vibed photos of the Kennedys that I'm sure you can find out there or get blown up yourself. So I don't know if that explains it or it just makes me sound like a crazy person. I'm willing to accept that. I think people have a, an, a, a drawn to different celebrities or drawn to figures of influence or figures of history for a million different reasons. And I don't see it as any different than having like we have a canvas image um, of Audrey Hepburn in our living room. It's not like a photo or anything. It's like an artistic interpretation of the breakfast at Tiffany's poster, like printed on wood, painted on wood. Sorry. I don't see it as that different. Like I don't see it as that different than you having like, you know, art of like Marilyn Monroe or Audrey Hepburn or like anyone that you find to be like an, uh, you know, inspirational or beautiful figure in history. I don't see it as that different. I guess it's just a little less common to have the Kennedys hanging up in your room or your living room or whatever. So I kind of get the the intrigue in why I might have them, but hopefully that shines a little bit of light on it. I am forever going to love them. And if you find it weird, that is probably pretty normal. So I can accept that some people might find it a little odd, but it's just a part of who I am. Okay, the next topic I want to talk about on the pod is social media boundaries. And I never thought that I would say that, but hear me out. So recently, and by recently, guys, I'm not proclaiming to have done this for months and have seen incredible change in my life. I've done this for a few days. So hear me out. I'm hardly advocating for it, but I think for me, it's just been like so shocking how I felt about it since doing it. So basically, I obviously having a presence on social media, I have a podcast, I TikTok, I do the whole thing. Obviously, I'm on social media a lot. I'm on it a lot. I'm on it throughout various points of my day. I mindlessly go on it, but I'm also going on it to respond to DMs. I'm going on it to scroll the feed, respond to messages, do all that stuff. So as well as obviously like posting content and, you know, all of that. I'm also consuming content. So social media is a big part of my life. I don't see it becoming less a part of my life, if that makes sense. But I do think that regardless of whether or not you have any part of your job in any way tied to social media, I think having boundaries on socials is really important, particularly because for most people, I think, Social media is what takes up the most screen time, I guess, and it's sort of what you mindlessly spend your time consuming. So it can be a big part of your life. So I obviously spend more time on socials probably than Thomas does, but he downloaded this app called Opal. I had never heard of it, but Opal basically prevents you from using and accessing your social media apps during the times of the day that you set up. So you could set up a few hours in the morning, you could set up from nine to five, you could set up your evenings. And basically when you try and 
It'll activate during the times that you set. And when you try and use social media during those times, a message will come up when you click the app of choice and it'll say Opal has blocked you using this app until this time. Now, obviously, you can just go into the Opal app and request a break or disable it, but it's obviously not encouraged because you're trying to set boundaries. So he started doing that and I thought that was a bold move. It's definitely something someone does when they really, really are actively trying to reduce their time on either socials or just on their screen entirely. It gives you these really scary statistics based on your screen time when you download the app and you input your information basically saying like if you continue at this rate you're going to spend like 20 years on your of your life looking down at your phone and it's seriously like it hits home guys like it really hits you hard when you quantify it that way so I was like you know what let's give this a crack I'm gonna download it and see see what this whole thing's all about so at this stage of the game I'm two days in using opal and what I've done Obviously, you can structure this the way you want to structure it. There's no right way of doing it. You could have certain times of the day where you are more likely to go on your social media and waste time so you can prevent yourself from being on them. For me, I had a terrible habit of grabbing my phone first thing when I woke up and scrolling the feed, checking TikTok, you know, the whole nine yards. So I think that's a terrible way to start your day. I think anyone with a fully curated morning routine would tell you to avoid that habit entirely. So from 6 a.m. to 7.45, I have no access to my social media. So if I'm waking up somewhere between 6 and 6.30, I during that time where I am either working from home or getting ready to go into the office, that time of breakfast, getting ready, doing my makeup, getting dressed, going to work, that is social media free. And I love that. I have really enjoyed that aspect of it. Then I have from 7.45 to 9 a.m. where I am able to go on all my social media. And then at 9 o'clock, it activates again from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. Now, that's a that's most of your day, guys. 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. when you're at work, I have my social medias disabled. So I can't go on them. I will admit, out of habit, I have been picking up my phone and clicking my social media to go on it, which is absolutely crazy that I have like muscle memory about it. Like before I even remember I've blocked it, I've already gone in and tried to click it. Now, this is obviously during those moments during the day, like lunch break, coffee break, you know, like in those moments of weakness, you pick up your phone, you check it. It's normal, but it's kind of scary how normal it is. And there was nothing I even really like, there's nothing I needed to check. Like it was just habit, like any messages that were there, I could absolutely respond to later. Any replies to stories, anything like I could respond to later. There was nothing that was going to be in there that was urgent. If anything like brand wise needed to be addressed, they would be emailing me like there was no need for me to be on socials during the day. So and also like, don't worry, guys, it it won't inhibit the OOTD content that goes up between 7.45 and 9 a.m. So that has actually been amazing for me. Like I've really quite enjoyed it. Then obviously from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., I have full access to my socials. I can get up on everything that I've missed throughout the day. And then from eight o'clock till 7.45 the next day, no access to my socials. So 
you have like full free reign on what that timing looks like, how long you want to be off them, all of that stuff. And I think that it's adjustable. Like if you're not loving that timing, you can shift it. You can only like, you can make it so that you're only not on it in the morning or not on it in the evening, or, you know, you could be really strict about it. You could be a bit more fluid. There's a million different ways to use Opal, but, and I'm, I don't think Opal's the only app out there that can restrict your apps, but that's the one that I know about. And I think is actually really, really good. I, honestly think it is so scary how much time we spend looking at our phones and if there's any way that you can like reduce it in some capacity or even just like get real with yourself like it's so easy to be like I don't have a problem like I'm not addicted to it like I don't really check it that much like I only check it a few times a day like I know I have friends that like actively don't check their screen time because it's just like what you don't know won't hurt you and like ignorance is bliss but like getting real about how much time you spend on your phone and socials is really important. And I don't even really have like a negative relationship with social media. It's a part of like what I do for a living. It's a part of, you know, that side of myself that does content creation. That's like a big part of my life. And I see social media as a really inspiring, influential, exciting space to be a part of. But like, I don't have a super negative relationship with it, but I still know that it's not healthy to be on it you know, all day, every day, whenever you are bored or you have a moment's break to be picking up your phone and doing that, like be present, get a cup, like, you know, you can have a podcast on, you can have a show on whatever, but it's, it's about the social media aspect of it. The mindless scrolling for no reason that just takes up time. So I'm not here like preaching because I'm like hardly in a position to preach about social media usage, but I've just found it to be like really an interesting experiment to put yourself through and be like, do I, I I enjoy it. I've enjoyed that newfound free time. I've enjoyed just not being on it that much. Like it's okay. I'm, it's not like I've, you know, deactivated all my accounts and I have no option, but to, to not go on it. Like I still go on it a bunch of times, like all the time. So I don't know. I feel like it's a really great app. And I think that if you're trying to reduce your screen time or or even just more specifically your time on socials I highly recommend downloading it and giving it a go and of course if it's not for you you can always delete it but I do recommend it at this point okay this last segment for the pod is going to be a little bit random but I feel like I get a lot of random questions about sort of where I get things in my home and I know that I've touched on it before so it's going to be a little less about that but more about like Tom and I's overall aesthetic decision for our apartment I feel like it can be really challenging and overwhelming to decorate an entire space particularly if you're someone whose environment has a massive effect on them like for me I have to have an organized, neat, tidy, aesthetically pleasing space to function. That's just who I am. I don't care if it sounds superficial. I don't care if it sounds silly. You know, a lot of people would be like, that's just such an unimportant aspect of life. I completely disagree and everyone is so different, but having our apartment be exactly the way that we want it has been a really important part of our day to day. And it really actually was a journey. So I'm just sort of going to dissect, like, because I don't even know how to really describe our style. I think that 
from the research that I've done on like different types of aesthetics and like deep diving into Pinterest and the journey of like actually furnishing our space and decorating it, I'd say that it's like a modern Parisian. I think Parisian can have like modern aspects to it, but like more classic Parisian doesn't really have that. But because we're in like an older building, but a renovated apartment, we have had to bring in those older elements because obviously we aren't in like a Federation home at this point. So that would be like the dream in the future, even like an apartment or a Federation style house with like those beautiful like skirting boards and the ceilings and, you know, all of that. We don't have that in the apartment that we're in now. So in order to bring that aesthetic in, we have definitely invested in antique pieces so I think some of like my favorite antique pieces that we have bought is like we have my dining table our dining table but it was I've had so many people ask where the dining table is from and I'm gutted to say that you can't buy it but it's actually like a trestle table that's been in my family since like my mom was a teenager and we like restored it and use it which we love, but we hand selected, we have mismatched wooden chairs for our dining table. We hand selected those chairs from different antique stores and put them together ourselves. We um, like dark washed two of them to like match. Then we have like a one of a kind rattan bench on the other side, which we dug and dug and dug for, like really like waited it out to find the right one that absolutely like was the right, you know, shade of wood to match the trestle and the other chairs. I think we, we have a beautiful butler, which is like a, it's something that is, it's very dated, but back in the day you would use to like hang coats on and store cufflinks and watches and you could air clothing out on it. So we have a butler that is sort of a, an off-white uh, in our bedroom, which is also an antique piece that we, oh my gosh, like absolutely love it completely makes the room we've even gotten a few older pieces off facebook marketplace that we have like in our kitchen sort of where you put your keys and we keep like lemons on there and we have a photo and all of that that's sort of an antique piece we got our coffee table which is gold and glass off facebook marketplace uh two eames chairs which are vintage in our living room i think just we have like uh, some like our bar and our what holds our lamp in our living room are two sort of very old wooden crates I think that it's just about like if you like that sort of modern Parisian feel it's totally fine to have modern pieces like we our bed is modern our um our couch is modern like we very much have like you know our apartment in and of itself is modern so it's very easy to have that but I think all in all, if you're trying to achieve that aesthetic, it is about a little bit of delayed gratification. Like I don't think that you can authentically get that style if you go to one or two stores and like furnish your apartment or your home. Like it really is about waiting out for some of those really beautiful pieces that speak to you. Like Thomas and I do love antiquing. I know I've said that, but we had a certain aesthetic in mind and we really really didn't want an apartment that was like a copy paste of everybody else's apartment like I think having a similar aesthetic is beautiful but finding like really unique pieces that you know are special 
is really important. Like we have a few pieces that are, you know, mainstream and even that like kind of gives me the ick. Like I know that sounds so bad, but I don't love having like the same stuff as other people. I don't know what it is. Like I like having a similar style to people that I look up to or, or think uh, have incredible taste, but I like to make it mine and I like to make it my own. And so we have very few pieces that other people can quite literally like go and buy that exact piece. And I don't mind for like a few things, but for most things, I think try your best if you like that, that same look to really go out and have fun with it and find those pieces that speak to you that fit that aesthetic. And it also like makes it really special when you hold every piece has like a story and it's older and it's vintage and it's already been like loved and worn and used. And there's something really nice about that. And I really love that. And I think that that modern Parisian aesthetic is really achieved by investing in vintage pieces we another thing that we sort of have throughout our space is like gold accents so obviously it can be a little bit challenging when you're in a rental to change some of the things you wish you could change we have changed like some of our door handles to be gold instead of silver things like that but we have a lot of gold accents like in our lamps on our coffee table certain like you know the tumbler on our bar is is vintage and it has a gold top that's quite worn you know just like little things like that that can flow through your entire space like even like it goes to even the little things like on my desk even though it's not in a room that has other gold accents like my stapler and my scissors and everything has that like gold flow through so that like the apartment feels like it has it's been thought through that's like Another thing that I absolutely love about certain spaces is like that, okay, it doesn't feel like a museum where like you don't want to touch anything and everything's like so, so overly curated, but it has been thought out. Like there is a certain aesthetic that can flow through from room to room, but like one of my biggest like, and it's not a hate thing if you do have this, but it's just not my aesthetic is like, you know, when you buy a bed and then the bedside tables are the same like thing as the bed and then you can buy the dresser with the same thing as the bed like everything is exactly the same I think it's about like having individual pieces but you can have that same aesthetic flow through the space I don't know guys I'm rambling but like I do get a lot of questions about our apartment where we went to shop for things but honestly like I can't really give you that specific, but it's more about just if you like that same aesthetic, they're kind of my tips and tricks to applying that same vibe to your home or to your apartment. And I think that if you do like this aesthetic, delayed gratification is the way forward and don't just go and buy all your furniture in a day, but really like, you know, cultivate pieces that are beautiful and meaningful to you. That is all for this week's episode of Kindest Regards. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I just still can't believe that you guys tune in and even give a crap every week about what I'm rambling on about, but I love chatting to you guys on social. So feel free to reach out if you have any questions or just want to say, hey, I love hearing from you guys and always head to the Kindest Regards pod for any pod updates. And of course, to see who I have coming up on the In the Boardroom episode for next week. So I will chat to you guys later and have a fantastic week.